Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bombdad listeners. Uh, once again, I'm sitting with my colleagues and friends, Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade, and another session of uh, culture and psychology. So today, uh, we were uh, actually, before we start this uh, show, we were talking about uh, what is the difference between obsession, infatuation, and uh, love or real love and or real love. And we were just having a conversation and uh, I just brought the book that I was reading that's called The Love's Executioner, um, which is done by Dr. Um, Irvin Yalom, who is a very famous psychiatrist and psychologist. And in one of his books, and which Love's Executioner is one of his books, he has actually 10 cases of the patients that he's working with. And one of them is the case of this woman who is an older woman and um, she's around 70 years old and she has been working with a therapist uh, because she had depression. And throughout her life, um, she basically didn't have so much connection with her husband. And her husband was just doing his own things and wasn't really involved. Um, and anytime she was talking to him, he seemed like he's in his own world. Um, so anyways, that's a little background of this woman. But the truth, uh, the whole story rounds around um, this woman's love or infatuation with her therapist. Uh, the therapist is a young, good-looking um therapist who is uh, actually intern and due to the financial issues this woman never gets to go and see a real psychologist or experienced psychologist therefore she goes to the county and she starts working with interns so she happened to work with this young intern who has been very nice soft um, loving and um she just keeps, um, you know, going to him. And finally, she falls in love with this person. Um, and um, the, the story is that the intern actually moves from that place, moves on with his life um, to become a psychologist. Um, and she always, uh, after this um, connection and communication with the therapist, stays in that mindset that um, she had. And that was like being in love with, with the therapist. So then after that, she goes to different therapists. And because nobody can help him, her, she finally finds about Dr. Yalom that everybody says um, she checks with the past four therapists she's going through um, for the eight years. And she has all this um, issues with her love, thinking about that therapist, um, having depression over that, not wanting to enjoy life. And she's in her head all the time thinking about this um, therapist. So she comes to Dr. Yalom. And the story starts from here that she walks in and she goes, please help me. I am terribly in love. And Dr. Yalom starts working with her. She gets to a point that she feels like he's hitting the wall because everything he does, she still is in that um, situation. So as I was sharing to my colleagues about this story, we decided to just kind of um, start dissecting the issue, analyzing, talk about infatuation, obsession, uh, the true love, or what is love. And so here we are. Hey, let's dissect this issue. Side A, what do you okay. think? <laughs> are you okay with that? Of course. Yeah, that's the reason we started this conversation. Uh, okay. So my, I'm going to start with a question, Side A. And this question is actually, okay. but it's an easy question. Okay. What, in the story that Dr. Yalom told, is he, what is his stated goal in working with that patient? What's he uh, Good question. His whole idea is, first of all, to just see what's going on with all these eight years that she's going to different therapists and nobody could really help her because she's still saying the same story after eight years 
um, and um, she starts talking about, you know, her family, her husband, the relationship. Um, and um, finally, she, uh, the, the last thing is that he decides to bring the therapist to the picture. And, and he tries everything, basically. He tries to show her that this is not a true love. This is obsession. This is infatuation. She gets really angry and she says, you're belittling love. And, and every, every road that Dr. Yalom works with this woman, she just, um, she's so strong and so, um, you know, um, in, um, you know, confident in her feelings that she just never even agrees with everything that Dr. Yalom says about getting her out of this situation. So at the very, very last, Dr. Yalom says, as I was desperate and I didn't know what to do, I'm feeling like all these times that I spend with her for six months is going to nothing. All of a sudden, he just thinks of maybe now after all these tries that I have done, maybe the best is to um, be on the same page with the woman and start talking about this therapist so that I can get connected to her. So she starts, you know, talking about the therapist and saying nice things about him and say, wow, this is great that he was that um, person that you're describing. And at the very, very end, he says, this was my last card to bring uh, to the table. And I say, do you want me to ask him to come to our session? And um, surprisingly, she just gets really excited and happy. And Dr. Yalom brings the therapist to the um, sessions. And, and um, it seemed like it was at that time that, um, oh, and then one other thing that Dr. Yalom did before bringing that therapist to the session was, uh, he said, okay, the Gestalt's, strategy. Let's just, okay, this is a chair. You go sit at that chair. You are that therapist. Now talk from that therapist, um, you know, words and mind to, to you. And it was there that she starts talking from the therapist to her that he finally realizes, oh, maybe it's better to bring that person in the mix to see what happens. So the goal was taking her off that mindset of being feeling like she's involved, she's she's in love, she's, you know, so that was the whole goal of the therapy. So that Dr. Yalom says at one point that I wanted to free her from this uh, prison that she has made for herself of thinking of that person. And she stated that she wanted to be freed. But the interesting part was that she didn't want to get off that, you know, and the whole struggle this whole time was that he was trying to get her off, but she just didn't. She, it, it was just one of, I, I think that's why Dr. Yalom puts it in the book, because it's 10 of his hardest and most difficult and most unusual cases that he had seen. That's why it's, it was in the book that he explains um, what struggles he had to go through with the patients. Well, I haven't read the book. Have you read the book, Alex? No, I've read some of his other things. I'm actually reading one of his books right now, too. And he, he really discloses a lot of what his internal experience is and in working with individuals. And so, uh, yeah, no, it seems like that's something that comes up in a lot of his treatment. Uh, and I think maybe something that other therapists connect with as far as that feeling of infatuation. I think the term for this is like unrequited, unrequited love, where the person is in love with somebody, but that love isn't reciprocated. And I think that's, again, just to kind of label it, which is different if two people have a history of being romantically involved. But this is, it sounds like Saide, somebody who has attraction towards somebody, but that person doesn't, uh, the therapist no. wasn't in love with her, correct? No, actually what happens was the therapist gets involved with her and they uh. have 27 days of relationship. And Dr. Yalom gets really angry of, uh, of the therapist uh, mm. who, you know, ethically, uh, he talks about that. He gets okay. angry at him. He sometimes says things that um, stirs up the situation with the patient. And then mm. the patient starts getting back 
back at him to say, don't say this about him. He's the most ethical person. He's the best person. It was really a lot of back and forth. But one thing that was very interesting to me was that Dr. Yalom in between of this therapy, um, talking about transference and counter-transference, he starts thinking of his own feelings and infatuation about one of his patients. And then he talks about the time that he was involved mentally with someone who really was thinking of the whole time. And this was going on for a long time until he says, I decided to go to a vacation with my family. And then I went to Caribbean. I had a good time. I spent time there. And it was there that I realized that, oh my gosh, I was, I was the prisoner of my thoughts and my mind this whole time. And now I was feeling that I'm free when I came back from vacation. And, and he actually at that time was going to a therapist to get rid of this situation that he had. And, and in between of, of all these communication that he has and the sessions he has, he also talks about Therapists are human beings and they're the same except that because of their work, they're very ethical and we know that this is a no-no. And he talks about that and he says, I was even going to therapists. And then he became afterwards a good friend of the therapist and the therapist becomes a good friend. And, and then the therapist actually talks about that I was also at one point in my life going through the same thing. So he brings all these things in the picture and goes through and he's trying to help this woman based on thinking about her own situation and how he became free after he had this uh, vacation and going to therapist and getting off his mind of that feelings and that situation that he had. I, it's It was a very interesting situation. That's why I was just thinking sometimes as therapists, we hit the wall as well if the patient really doesn't want to help herself or himself. Well, I, the other thing too is if they don't want help with a certain aspect of their life, we help trying to fix them. We no, can't be like self-appointing. Oh, I see a problem in your life. I'm going to, my God, I'm going to make you get that right. That's not, if they don't show up for that and ask for that. No, that's I mean, that's true. tricky because you get people with schizophrenia sometimes and they're not, they have poor insight a lot of times and they're not asking for help and yet they, they need it. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're suffering and, you know, their life is complicated in multiple ways. And so, you know, the level of insight, I think, in regards to the problem, I, I think, I think okay. as therapists, a lot of times there's this idea of the presenting problem. And then there's like this kind of deeper level to some of those problems. And I see sometimes the work that we do is helping people with the identified problems, but that may mean eliciting some awareness to some maybe deeper patterns or uh, how that's kind of connected to things that they may have not been fully aware of. But I think you're right. It brings a great point. When does the therapist start to identify the problems and what needs to be fixed? I think it, it reminds me of the idea of like, whose, whose values are you emphasizing? Are you emphasizing your values, the patient's values, society's values? How do you kind of navigate that? Yeah. Now going, going back though, I think that what we're, what he's talking about, what we're talking about is some very real phenomenon that happen between human beings and that is that some sort of an energy connection call it love and call it infatuation we can call it obsession but there's some sort of a connection that happens and we don't have good instruments necessarily to measure what that is we don't have an x-ray machine to see it but no doubt about it everybody has we've all been we've all been in that and it, what it does is it necessarily changes how we, how we, right? When we are, quote, in love, the world is much brighter. Things are much more pleasant. It's a happy place to be. And when we've just broken up with somebody or had a severe loss, the world is a little darker. It's mm -hmm. not that Right. And that's the time that we see our patients. They come to us for help because they can take care of their problems. Uh, but be before we go to break, I have to just mention, because this is going to be the other part of our conversation. Finally, uh, when this 
well, maybe we can talk about this because it's a long, I can't just stop at the middle of, of the new issue. So let's just have a break and come back to continue our conversation. We're back with Dr. Alexandrati and Dr. Daniel Rockers uh, from Tavana Organization, a nonprofit organization that supports uh, individuals with psychological issues and um, cultural issues. So we are back here. We are talking about one of the stories of Dr. Yalom, the famous psychiatrist and psychologist books. Uh, It's called The Love's Executioner. And we are talking about this story in that book, Dr. Yalom, as one of the difficult situations that he describes um, in his um, practices, a woman who was in love with his therapist, with her therapist, and comes to Dr. Yalom after seeing four or five other therapists. And of course, those therapists were mostly interns or uh, early in their practices uh, because she didn't have financially um, establishments to be able to see a good therapist and spend money. So finally, after going through um, five therapists, um, he she comes to Dr. Yalom and asks Dr. Yalom to please help me. I am terribly in love. And now the first part of our conversation was about this story. And um, we each um, just made a point about the goals of the therapy, what was going on. And now we are back and we are continuing our conversation. The, the thing I wanted to say um, that we went to break was that um, when... Uh, Dr. Yolam finally brings that therapist to the session. Uh, at that time, uh, he, the therapist, the intern, talks about the uh, psychological issues he had at the time. And he was going through some sort of spiritual practices that um, he actually was out of the real world. And he became um, sort of more into his um, soul rather than his mind. And that's why he got involved with that woman and the issues he had in his own life um, made this connection with this patient. But um, at the very end, uh, Dr. Yalom realizes that the intern at that time actually uh, goes um, to therapist himself because he realizes that he's completely off his mind. He has a terrible, uh, you know, um, stuff going on in his own head and wasn't in real life at that time. And that's why this, um, you know, slip happened in his life. And then at that time, when he goes to therapists and he sees other people in his work, he actually goes to them and admits what happened. And he says, I'm not fit for this um, because I'm not um, totally um, align with my mind um, to, to be able to help others. So he actually uh, doesn't practice anymore. And I think that's the time that Dr. Yalom just breathed deeply and says, thank God that he realized himself that there was something wrong with him himself, that at that time, and then he shares his story, that what was he going through at that time. And Dr. Yalom this whole time was actually trying to find the relation that happened because a young person and an older woman, maybe he had issues with his mother, maybe she had issues with her son. And all of this was going throughout Dr. Yalom's mind. But at the very end, he realizes that, yes, that intern had a lot of issues himself. I was thinking what Daniel said a little while ago about that idea that we can all relate to this kind of feeling. And I I think it comes down to, uh, not to oversimplify it, but I mean, I think it 
comes down to people wanting to feel connected. And a lot of times when people are especially coming to therapy, they're in a very vulnerable position there. Things are going wrong in their life. Things are challenging. Uh, sometimes they don't feel understood, even by people who uh, love them and support them and care for them. Um, sometimes they're you know married or in a relationship, but they can feel sometimes a very uniqueness to the therapeutic relationship and that they can share anything and be accepted. I think one of the tricky things uh, in this role that we're in as therapists is it's a very one-sided role. We don't share a lot of ourself with the individual um, to the same level that they share. And so, you know, they can come to see you in a certain light. Uh, I kind of jokingly say, uh, but I mean it in truth that, uh, you know, the dynamic of, of therapy sometimes can be like the first couple of dates, first couple of months of dating, uh, you know, especially the male female dynamic. Uh, it's like, okay, this guy's really attentive. He's listening to everything I say. He sounds really interested. He's very empathic, um, you know, very emotionally attuned. Um, that can be very appealing for somebody when they're in a such state that they don't feel understood, they feel heard. And so, I think the idea of love can start to come into the, the therapy space and it can feel as though that that can heal. I kind of say it's it's tricky in the sense, I mean, if it was easy enough as loving your patients, I mean, they have people in their life who love them and care for them. So I think in that way, love, just loving somebody isn't enough to, to help them with their issues and their problems. I think you can have love for your patients, you can care for them very deeply, but I think the romantic love in the therapeutic relationship can, sounds like lead to some of the things that Yalom was mentioning. It's, it becomes problematic in some ways. And so it's, it's definitely difficult, I think, when sharing such a private space with another human being and, and being able to share and open up and just be so raw in that way. And I think that's part of the healing nature of what we do. And I think it's really on a therapist to be attuned and aware of that um, because, you know, patients, they come and they just expect to get help. It's like any other profession. You know, if you go to a barber or something like that, you don't ask the techniques that they use to cut your hair. You're just like, I just want a haircut. You know, I trust that you know what you're doing and, and you know, I don't need to know the ins and outs. Um, it's on you in that way. And I think that's part of the responsibility that comes with our, our profession to be able to toe that line uh, internally of knowing that you can care for your patients and even maybe love your patients, but knowing that to act on those, it can actually hurt not just the therapeutic relationship, but even be one that you're, you're taking advantage somebody in a very, very sensitive state. I'd like to shift us a little bit towards the general topic of the idea and factual. And I think that my experience in my 20 some year therapy is that I've had a number of older people come into therapy and if they are falling in love or infatuated with then they get surprised and they say oh i thought i would be okay. and i think either it's in our culture here somehow or somewhere there's a wide belief that people don't necessarily fall in love. and it's just we we're going to have feelings all our lives it follows what you said alex that we all want connection we all need connection. And people in varying degrees of need of connection can encounter that therapeutic or even not a therapeutic situation. I had a, uh, a friend of mine when she was in high school, one of what was the deal when she was in high school and she was a high school student, there was an attraction in her and okay. And that went on. I think they even had some probably but I don't think anything went beyond. But what happened later, like the next year was very, because what happened later that next year was that one of the other teachers who was older began to believe that she had a special connection with that team. Mm -hmm. And that older woman teacher then began torture friend, thinking that they were in and did some pretty wild things. I can't remember what they were, pretty extreme. And it was so extreme like you with this person. So it was really to that point of infatuation. And what I think happens is that people, they that their chemistry gets activated in a certain way and they can't see very clearly. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, I think that's what happens when we all get infatuated or what we typically call falling in love. Everything is great when you fall in love and you can overlook all kinds of the problem is if you get in a relationship, you're still overlooking applied. I guess, especially when uh, the person has some issues in, in her own life, and then all of a sudden meets someone and for some, you know, very unknown reason gets um, so much involved mentally with the other 
um, person, I guess a lot of it is uh, not having a fulfilled life. Uh, you know, so that's why as a psychologist, maybe you need to get through the layers and find out where this patient comes from in her own life or his own life. Where is the part that is missing that brings that person to a level that get so much um, involved, you know, to a, to a very, um, you know, unreasonable situation. Um, because obviously, this woman that we were talking, she was married, so she couldn't have an obvious, um, you know, free life to get involved. So, you know, it was painful in many ways. But what was going on in her own life, to me, was more important to dig into, to, to see why she got into that relationship uh, in her head um, and kept that going. Because I guess with that memory, she was living a different life um, rather than her real life, you know, because her real life was miserable. Her husband was gone always, never had relationship with her. Um, he was in his own world. And, and as she was describing his, um, her husband was that he was never there mentally and even mostly physically because he was um, uh, doing some boy scout and always out, always, you know, um, in different areas. She, he wasn't basically in the picture. So I think that's really important, you know, that to look at and why this woman um, started to thinking, um, you know, to have a different life. But also when I was reading this whole story, it reminded me of um, the real stories of prisoners, the political prisoners in different parts of the world that they get involved with the person that asks them questions uh, that we say inspectors or um, prosecutor, because they that's the only time if they're in political um, prison, that's the only time they get out of their cell and they start connecting. I want to go back to what you said, Dan. See, that's the whole thing, connection. Even a prisoner, political prisoner, you read the stories, they fall in love with their um, with the person that starts inspecting their, their issue. And that's the time they get out of their cell. They go to see this person. And there are stories after stories that this um, women or men um, they they fall in love with that person who's actually against them in many ways, who's actually reporting them for, you know, um, maybe a really um, unpleasant results, but they fall in love because they want connection. And, and that feeling of, um, you know, they have to be real, they have to answer questions, they trust that person, and they start talking. And then back to what um, Alex was saying, that they trust that person. They start sharing all the deep stuff from their heart. And that happens even not only with therapists, um, that, you know, the, there are stories about this um, prisoners, that same thing. They fall in love with, um, you know, their inspectors. There is another element in there too, which we haven't yet. And, that, and I think most of us have had that experience. We may end up being very much attracted to enamored somebody who we know they are not going to, but mm. there's something about them that just feels like drug or feels such so good. We just love that so much. And it is like we've addicted, even though we know they're bad for us. And even if we haven't ourselves had that happen, and I think most of us have, we know people who have had that and can't unhook. I've had a number of patients. I had one just recently who like wanted to be able to unhook from this person, but they just can't seem to do it. And they know it's bad for them. Is and it I, because it, as a human being, we always look for it for challenges because it becomes boring if things are, you know, so, you know, stable? I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, uh, uh, we we need some challenges. And if we don't create those challenges in a good way in our life, like, you know, go get a degree, go uh, learn something new. If you don't do that, life is boring. You know, that's why 
in life, we always are doing something. We learn to do something new. We learn to make something, you know what I mean? Those challenges keeps us from getting out of um, the normality of our mindset. So that balance actually happens because we create those challenges, those uh, positive things we do. And if we don't, maybe that's why we get stuck or we get depressed or, I mean, there's so many things we can talk about when it comes to having a boring life, you know? I think it's more than that. I think, I think it's some, it could be all of that, but I also think there's something that's deeper. It's like a deeper chemistry or some sort of deeper inner connection that we have. And some people who are the great con artists know how to tap into that and take mm-hmm. hold of people unwittingly. And some others who are kind of the, the lesser con artists, but still are doing it. And you can see them at work out in the trail of problematic people behind them, but people new people who meet them, they may even see that trail, but still want to be with them. They love them. It's interesting the way that I've always described that, uh, you know, there's the, from a psychological perspective, there's the Freudian idea that we're pleasure seeking. And so that, like you said, I said, almost that idea, we wanting, we're wanting a challenge. Um, but there's also another therapist named Fairburn who talks about people being relationship seeking. And what that means a lot of times is that we'll seek certain relationships, even if they're not healthy for us. And so they're just so familiar that we end up feeling uh, really connected to that. And I think like you were saying, Daniel, it's, it's, it's almost this deeper level uh, that we can't really quite identify. And, and there's a part of us that sometimes rationally is like, I don't want this. This isn't good for me. Like it hurts. Yet there's this pull for it for some reason. And I think it's recognizing that there is some familiarity there. There's some comfort there. There's something known about that in some way that allows us to, you know, go beyond our rational, logical self and continue to pursue that. It reminds me of this, this lyric in a song that I heard. It said, when, when red flags feel like butterflies, and it's just like, you know that these are red flags, but they feel away. And so it's so difficult to, I think, pull oneself out of that, um, our emotion. And I think it speaks to where emotional creatures, our emotions kind of super, you know, supersede our, our, our logical, rational part of ourselves, supersede. Well, the book I read long ago was The Woman Who Loved Too Much. I was looking at my library to see if I can find it to read some uh, statements from the woman's, uh, you know, talking. And it was really interesting. This woman was... Um, was in love with someone who was uh, actually torturing her and she she loved him too much and and she couldn't get out of that situation and i think the codependency uh, there's a lot to talk about this what is it in in each of our you know upbringing what is it in each of our confidence in in our experiences and it, there's so much involved when you talk about this. What was it that, you know, this woman who loved this person too much was in a situation that it was just pretty much torturing, but she couldn't stop loving the person. I mean, with pain, with sadness, with things that um, you were reading about this story, um, the way she described this person was, as you said, Dan, she couldn't get off this relationship. She loved him too much. So we're going to come back and continue our conversation about love, infatuation, obsession, all these other issues that uh, we brought to our conversation.
back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and we continue our conversation about our uh, two parts of communication regarding the love, obsession, infatuation, and the story of a book, um, story of 10 cases of a very famous psychiatrist, psychologist, Dr. Ervin Yolom, talks about a woman who's infatuated and obsessed with uh, her therapist. We went through that part of conversation, and then we, we just um, started talking about what is it that uh, sometimes as a human being, due to wanting um, to be connected, due to really, as uh, Dr. Uh, Andrade mentioned something Freudian says that we are always seeking for pleasure. Any of these issues uh, for different reasons sometimes uh, bring um, so much confusion, so many uh, bad relationships, painful, torturing relationships. But what is it in a person that unlike the um, surface looking that doesn't seem right, these persons are um, feeling in love and can get out, out of that relationship. So we are back and we are continuing our conversation. One thing I was going to mention that uh, it's kind of more, more recent. Um, there's a, a platform called Reddit and it's people just kind of responding. So it's not any kind of scientific basis or anything like that, but people just sharing different thoughts and experiences they have. And one of the things they recently asked was it really relates to this, this idea of you know, what's, you know, if you feel like you've settled in your relationship. And one of the things that struck me was how many people kind of said, yeah, I'm with somebody and things are good and there's safety and stability, but they're not my person. And I don't feel that, that, that passion and that excitement, that level of happiness that I thought. And I think it just kind of brings up this idea of like, as we started, it's this idea of like love in the sense of like real love, idealized love. There's, you know, puppy love, as they say, you know, mature love. Like, what is that? And I think a lot of people are like striving to build a life and, and progress and, and have those staples in our life that are associated with, you know, progress and growth and well-being and, and relationships always tends to be that kind of really tricky one. And, you know, there's no, as you said, uh, Daniel, there's no test you can take, you know, there's no, uh, there's nothing you can do. It's, it, it, there was even this, I seen this advertisement for this new show on Amazon or Netflix. And it was like, we'll take a blood sample and then we'll pair you with your soulmate. And then this company is like a billion dollar company because of something like that. And I could see that storyline being very interesting and intriguing because people I think are wanting that they're wanting that level of happiness and connectedness that comes with this idea of love and I think it gets perpetuated in our society is uh, and put on this pedestal and and so people are seeking this thing in a way that you know I guess a question like how realistic is it you know what is what is you know fulfilling mature you know real love that allows a person to feel uh, valued and supported versus, you know, people, as we talked about with the story, you know, somebody being in love uh, with this, their therapist and they're married, you know, so you're like, oh, what you're married. So you, you're in love. So, I mean, you know, what do you, what are you looking for? Like, stop, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, but the reality is that isn't the case. I mean, there's a high divorce rate. We know that. And so um, it, it seems like people aren't really good at figuring out what love is in that way. And well, sometimes I've even had people, you know, come to therapy and be like, I want to know what like love is and how to build it and how to find it. And I'm like, if I had the answer to that, I'd be a billionaire probably. Uh, you know, I don't think there's one general answer. I think it's something that for each person, you have to kind of explore, you know, what could that mean for that person, uh, knowing it's probably going to be an ongoing, growing, evolving kind of experience. So, yeah, I think it's something that even today in this world of technology and accessibility of, you know, dating apps and things like that, you know, I don't think we're any closer to really having an idea of, you know, how to get that and, and how to feel uh, fulfilled and sustained in that way. I think we have a good idea, though, of what not and mm. what it is it's we, what we know i believe that what we know is it is a lot more than what we see in erectile dysfunction advertisement <laughs> it's a lot more than what we see in other advertisement you know where people are all dressed up and drinking mm -hmm. and s driving a super fancy car and it shows them together and having a great time there may be elements that go into that but it is not just that it's something beyond i think that much. 
I was going to go back to what you said, Dan, earlier, that the chemistry, I think there is, um, you brought a very good point. I think that part, the energy, the um, whatever you call it, that chemistry, what it is, I think that is it's huge in a relationship, that chemistry, that chemistry could be in different areas of, you know, like your hobbies, the chemistry that brings you to a person, the chemistry of the communication that you love to communicate with this person, because it gets going that communication, the the sexual um, chemistry, the um, situational chemistry. I mean, all of that, the chemistry is something it's undescribable. And I think that's the part that sometimes there are pieces missing, but because of that chemistry, some people can, um, you know, just end the relationship. They're hooked because of that undescribable chemistry between them. It could be in other parts painful because something is missing, but there's another piece that keeps them. You know, sometimes in life you become more logical and you start thinking, what is the best for my life? What is, you know, the best uh, with my situation? But if you let go of that reasoning, I think it's just that chemistry that is a deeper level that brings two human beings um, together mentally or, you know, just physically. This is a really um, important piece, I think, in connection. Yeah, it's it's more than, I agree with you, Saide, it's more than just the logic part of best me. Although it's an important thing to keep in mind, I think. It's more than that. And it's also more than what we get from a lot of the outlets, what is portrayed as, you know, there are a lot of uh, movies or videos or advertisements, we said, which tend to give us some representation of what love is. And when we're younger, that's generally most of what we've got for well, what is it? What mm-hmm. is love? And so we may, we may early on, I think a lot of times early on, we think we know what love is. And it it's, comes from all that information that we've gotten, which may not really get to the heart of what deeper relations are about. Well, let's think of when you're young, young, and you don't have any experience, you don't have any idea, you haven't read anything, but then all of a sudden you're attracted to a person, maybe your teacher, maybe, you know what I mean is, so what is that? I mean, that's sometimes, um, actually, at this point, when we were having this conversation, all of a sudden that came to my mind that at that time, sometimes you don't have any idea where this attraction comes from, because if you get to reasoning, there's no reason for this attraction. You know what I mean? So that's why I want to go back to what you said, Dan. It's a deeper than what we are talking about. Um, Because as an even child that we haven't been going through puberty to even experience anything, you know, um, all of a sudden you're attracted to someone and, and you don't have any reason for it. So what is that? Like we I talked think- about this before too, didn't we, Daniel? I think I want to say we talked about this idea because I remember sharing, it reminded me again of the idea of when like babies are like flirtatious towards the opposite gender. Okay. When they see a man and a, a little boy will say hi to all the ladies that he sees. And there, it's just one of those things where it's like, what, where did they get that from? You know, and, and uh, it just seems very primal in that way. It's built in to some degree, for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't uh, propagate. Yeah. Uh, interesting, really. Um, um, so basically, um, you know, we, um, even as therapists, what we do with our patients is mainly, uh, you know, trying to find what has been going on in their life, because each person's experiences is different. Each person's experiences um, actually brings you to a level that um, you have um, an issue with uh, with a person, with connection, with being in love, or not actually finding someone to be in love with. But I guess it's just one of those things that um, we have to find within ourselves and by experiences, just figure out which is the toughest thing in anybody's life, especially in today's world that everybody is so busy. That's why they come to therapists, and that's the time they sit 
in a quiet, um, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, mostly issues. And then they start sharing all the secrets, all the real thing in their, their heart and their mind. And that's when, you know, the role of therapists come to picture to have that conversation to see where does that feeling come from? What is going on in, in our, um, you know, life um, and, and what brought us to this level? By the way, we are getting to the end of our program. Um, as usual, at the very end, we each say a statement. Today's conversation was about love, infatuation, obsession. And as usual, we always, uh, you know, just expand our conversation. We get into so many other things. So I appreciate if each of you just end with a statement. I'll jump in to go first. In terms of this, it's so important to have friends. And if you, when you, when we, when we fall in love with somebody, we usually want to tell other people about it. So it's a good idea to have friends tell the other people about it. And that can help you keep your balance to some degree. It may be something that's out of range, seem, seeming out of range your friends. And if it is, then you have to take that into account. It doesn't mean don't go forward with it, but you need to get something back. Because when we're in isolation... When we're in isolation, sometimes our thinking can get skewed and we don't see quite how we fall in love. So have friends, tell friends about who you fall in love. Daniel, are you trying to insinuate that Gal Gadot, the new super, uh, the new Wonder Woman, uh, is out of my league? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Whoa, uh, no. I think okay, okay, that's realistic, right? I just want to make sure. In your league. Okay, I, was, <laughs> I, I feel like you were looking at me there. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep pursuing her. Has she so. contacted you yet? No, no, and so, uh, yeah, no, but, but that doesn't, that doesn't stop love, Daniel. So I got no, it. No. I'm with okay. you. <laughs> back you up <laughs> no but in all seriousness um I, I think one of the the things i encourage people to to reflect on is before we start to look outside of uh, ourselves for that love i think it's always worthwhile to really look inward first and say you know how do we love ourselves how do we nurture ourselves what does love mean to us what does that feel like to be loved and so um, i find too often where it's easier sometimes to look outside of ourselves not to say that it is an important to feel connection and to have that uh, those loving relationships, uh, both friends and romantically. But but we also need to make sure that we're we're doing that in a place from a place that adds to our life versus it feeling as though it's it's filling some hole or so some gap within us. And so being able to to stop and reflect, what does it mean to love myself in the same efforts that I'm trying to put that out there in the world towards others? And I want to say um, for the ending part that um, especially since our topic was love, obsession, infatuation. Um, when you have a feeling towards someone, just um, sit on it. You know, you don't have to do anything immediately to figure out because it takes sometimes time to actually see where we are with anything that we are feeling. So uh, sometimes uh, there are things that come and go and, um, you know, we don't have to jump into it. But uh, in most cases, it would be the best that, you know, enjoy the moment wherever you are in your feelings um, as much as you can, but don't jump into anything. Just, uh, you know, sit with it, evaluate your, you know, your feelings and, and see where you are. I know we are so busy in life that sometimes we don't stop to really think of um, what we are thinking, how we are feeling. So it is important to just a pause and, and see where we are with our feelings. With that, I want to say goodbye and wish you a wonderful Saturday. Um, and then we come back tomorrow to have another psychological or cultural conversation. <laughs>
تو رفتم بی تو باز آمدم از سر کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه چه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم به خوابارا دل دیوانه با تو رفتم بی تو باز آمدم از سر کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم بخوابارم دل دیوانه بخوابارم دل دیوانه